episode 15 of the Emerge podcast. Today we've got the uh, most fashionable by Oh no, I've messed up, Gav, man. Yeah, we'll I was we're back. No, we're not starting again. We'll just keep this going. Uh, <laughs> we've got Andres McNeil, who is the most fashionable man in Glasgow. That's what I was going for. That's what we're... Covered, mate. You covered it well. I didn't. I definitely didn't. But I appreciate you supporting me through this time <laughs> I'm having. <laughs> How are you, Andres? You all good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, first podcast I've ever done, so quite interesting to see. Brilliant. Well, definitely it won't be the last, mate. So this is oh, just it might be mine. <laughs> My last, man. Why? <laughs> um, right, so what we're going to basically talk about, um, Andres. So for people who don't know you, you're um, you quite a, a good following uh, on social media on Instagram. Um, you're, quite, you're interested in your fashion and um, in your sport as well. So we'll, we'll kind of dive back. Talk about you growing up, um, any sort of influences that you had, uh, and just take it from there. And we'll no doubt diverge away from the conversation a wee bit uh-huh. and talk about whatever. But, um, but I so, yeah. so whereabouts was it you initially grew up? Because you, you live in Paisley, don't you? So, like, sort of that way. So, is that where you grew up? Have you always been in that area? Or? That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm Paisley, born and bred. Uh, right. Never really left Paisley, to be honest. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anything different. How was it like sort of growing up? So, um, obviously, we are we sort of Glasgow side, so I don't know if it's any different, but uh, what was it like kind of going through school and stuff like that? Because you obviously what you like now, so you're into your fashion, as I say. So, what sort of spurred that on? Was that something from school? Mm-hmm. No, I, I'd say it probably comes. Well, it starts from like in the skateboarding, I'd say. Um, oh. There's a lot of kind of streetwear and stuff like that, and kind of a lot of influence stuff that comes from skateboarding, like uh, the brand, I don't know if you've heard of them, Supreme. Um, that's that's a skateboarding brand, and right. uh, it's kind of it's shot off into its own kind of thing now. So I'd probably say that, because I, I used to skateboard when I was like from about 10 to right up until I was about 18, I'd say. Um, so I'd probably say that's probably where it came from. I I, I felt I felt the supreme before. I didn't know it was a, a skateboarding brand, but I used to just see stickers, yeah, yeah. tons of supreme stickers all over the place. And it's like it's oh, like such right. a weird it's a weird brand. Like they run themselves on like no heaven, like a massive. Like they don't churn out seven million pairs of the same trainers and stuff like that. They they go on like scarcity, right, don't that, they? Yeah, well that's the thing. They've kind of built their whole business model on limited releases. So um they I think it was a few years ago they brought out a Supreme brick and it was basically a parody of themselves to be like this this is like we can literally slap a brand on anything and people will queue for like hours and hours to buy it. And Hi. like and now and now resells for like a hundred quid or something like that for a brick that has like a Supreme logo on it. It's just it's pretty ridiculous but I'm, I, I catch myself. I, I, I catch myself even buying into it. Like um, I own quite a lot of supreme pieces. Can you can you show us your brick? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've not I've not I've not I've not got a brick, but uh, I've got I've got a few things. Um, like just just off the top here, I've got a pair of uh, supreme goggles. These go for like hundred quid or something like that, and it's just ridiculous. But if you're a collector, like you just end up getting all this stuff while you can while it's cheap. Uh, we were talking that before, just before you came on, because I'd, I'd like, 
I'd heard of you, see, when you were on your Instagram, and through your stuff, and you mentioned Supreme, but I hadn't have really heard of them too much, but Kenny was saying like, they're massive, and he was telling me about the brick just before we, we brought you on. That's uh, bad to say, like, who sells a brick? Supreme. <laughs> in, in, in brick making companies. <laughs> There's a there's a video there's a video and it's a, like an American news team or something like that and they're um, they're basically interviewing people who are outside the Supreme shop and uh, it's like for a crowbar that has Supreme on it and people are asked uh, uh, like why uh, why do you want this and they're like because it's a crowbar that has Supreme on it like are you looking? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's especially Americans bad. Americans are a bit wild, don't they? They 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 are absolutely all for it. Uh, for anything. Uh, so do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. Like, see when you were in school, right? So obviously you've always been into sort of supreme uh, brand, but you got like a do you remember that like first memory that maybe like clothes and shoes were kind of like uncool and even like backpacks and stuff like that? What is that kind of date back to then? So you would always try and have the best of gear or or skateboarding stuff? Not not really. So no. <laughs> I always have this one memory, right? And it was um my mum bought me like my first pair of like proper trainers, and uh, I, I don't know if any news had these, but it was uh, a pair of K Swiss trainers, right? Aye, <laughs> remember K Swiss? And, mm-hmm. and it had the, the reversible, reversible tongue. tongue. That's so right. You had, you, <laughs> aye, so you had a, a red side and a blue side that just depended on what you were wearing, and you could just twist it like that. <laughs> so, uh, so I wasn't that fashionable. <laughs> oh, oh, you were. Well, no. I was going to say, but that, that was that was the top brand then, wasn't it? <laughs> Aye, for school shoes anyway. A tennis, a tennis brand, nonetheless. Was it a tennis brand? Did uh, you just Google that? Brand. No, no, I, knew, I, I don't know why I know that, but I didn't know that as a tennis brand, mate. Aye. Well, <laughs> no, 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 that quick at googling, Gavi, they seen me like that. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't always remember backpacks. Eh? Like, I remember it was Sports uh, Connection. I, I don't know. I don't know what age you're, Andres. I don't know. What age are you? I'm twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay, you're near enough. Nice, I remember getting a sports connection in Clive Bank and just seeing like three backpacks that was all left in the back wall, man. So I had the choice for <laughs> knowing fine well that nobody's going to go, nice backpack, mate. But it's just, I always remember the backpacks were the big thing when I was at school. So she, she obviously, with your sort of like, obviously, you're talking about your case with trainers and stuff like that. Did you have any sort of quirky wear? Because what you wear is like, it's different for, for a lot of people and it is very unique. Did you ever have anything back then that was kind of putting you in that direction? So when I was growing up, I was a very, very big emo. Right, <laughs> were you? Um, I like proper uh, straightened hair with straighteners. Um, I had the fingerless gloves as well. Right. So I, was, I was a big target in school, to be honest. Right, <laughs> so right. I, th- I think that's kind of where it stems from, is uh, just wanting to be a bit individual and stuff like that. Uh, no matter, even if you're going to get slagging off the heads and all that. Right. <laughs> Um, well, you obviously took to it well then because you're pretty much making a, a follow, you've got a following for it now, do you know what I mean? To be unique, so it's obviously what. No, I definitely. So what, what age well, did you start, to start kind of buying like the high-end sort of brands? To be honest, it's, it's not actually been that long because um, for the longest amount of time I've not actually been able to afford it or find ways to afford it. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably say maybe the last four years or something like that, I've been into kind of like the higher end of brands. But um, 
I mean, even today, I'm not really wearing anything that is like overly expensive. Then, like that. sometimes I, I'm fine just wearing like a, a basic night trackie and stuff like that. It just uh-huh. depends. But, um, I'd, I'd say probably just the last four years or something, I've gotten really into kind of like high end fashion. Was there a sorry, me on you go? No, I was just gonna say I was gonna wear my 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 best gear. Just just to him on. I was gonna. <laughs> Like, I sprayed some aftershave in that in case you know the smell comes through and you can go that's a nice aftershave uh, I, I'm I'm renowned for wearing odd socks and I'm actually wearing a pair a pair of socks you can't see them I'm, I'm not that flexible and they say Friday on it that's how fashionable I'm with wow I'd say that's pretty good um, your message is still that in a year away I she's forced me I she went to <laughs> socks for days of the week so you can wear like pairs of socks like Life is too short. Life's too short. Life is too short. Wear your Tuesday socks <laughs> on a Saturday. It's like, it's quite, it's like, uh, I don't know, can I about It's cool, but I'd be different. It's unique, mate. It's unique. Was there a person, um, so obviously it's only been the kind of last four years or so, was there a person that you remember thinking, what they were wearing's quite good? Like, is that how it kind of came about? Um... I mean, there's not really one particular person, but uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm kind of widely influenced by hip-hop culture and uh, a lot of rappers and artists and stuff like that. And, you know, especially with a lot of these modern-day rappers, is uh, it's very flashy and a lot of bling and uh, kind of loud outfits and stuff like that. So guys like uh, Kanye West, who obviously has the deal with Adidas, doing Yeezy he, and stuff like that. He has just um, got a new... Uh, sponsorship with Gap, believe it or not. That's right. Uh, that's right, that. yeah. Just, just there. I just read that the other day. Sorry, back to Gap. But uh, on you go, on you go, what other, what other rappers do you like? So I, I quite like rap, but I, I don't really listen to much music now. But... I mean, uh, I'd probably say like, I take a lot of kind of style inspiration from uh, Logic. He was uh, the rapper that I saw wearing the off white UNC, Mike uh, Jordans, and Ever since I saw that, I was like, I need those shoes. Like, I need them <laughs> now, and I need them, like, cheap. <laughs> uh, cheap. Is, is Off-White the brand that leave the like, a red tag on their trainers? Is that right? Is that who I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't actually have the tag handy, but, uh, like, for example, I've, I've, got, I've got a pair of Off-White UNC shoes. Right. Um, so these go for, like, I think... Anywhere between twelve hundred to eighteen hundred, depending on the size and the condition of it and stuff like that. Wow. Um, and these these come with a red tag. Aye. So that's really shoes. Like that's a lot of money to to spend on shoes. But obviously, if that's your thing, then go for it. It's mad. I I can't believe the the. It's more like it's not so much an underground sort of thing, but but it is such a niche market. There's just so many people. Try and fake it to make it an orbit. Paying eighteen hundred pounds for a pair of trainers is not but ninety percent of the population can can really do. So it's, it's mad to actually speak to somebody who is out there and is actually loaded. Really, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that it, it very much is uh, the community that dictates the price of these sort of things. So if like if an item has a lot of hype around it, the kind of the market goes up for yeah. Like the shoe or the, the item, like right now, um, I don't know if you know, but um, releasing like I think it's next week or something are the Air Dior Jordans. So it's uh, no Dior, way. Dior the band. Yeah. So 
they're retailing for like two grand, but the resale is going to go up to north of ten grand if you manage to get your hands on a pair of them. So who who's going to be selling them? Is it going to be Nike or is it going to be Dior? Is it an online thing? Um, so I think Dior have done a kind of it's like an online experience where basically you enter a raffle, and once you enter that raffle, they'll pick your they'll pick somebody's name, and then you need uh, to go down to like a Dior outlet to pick them up. That's what uh, the Yeezys did, didn't they? You need to enter a, like a ballot as well on the on the app. Um, it, it depends on the release, but um, most now are kind of raffles and stuff like that because they're trying to stop people doing kind of automated bots because um, there's a lot of people who use kind of like the computer to send bots to buy stuff and, and then they'll buy like multiple it. items mm-hmm. and then just just to desell it that's crazy man like, i didn't even i knew like obviously there is expensive clothing right but i didn't realize that it was that culture, oh, mate. Aye, aye, culture. Aye. It's, it's it's crazy like i would i would hey, honestly hey, i would grudge to pay more than like a hundred quid. That's for like football boots, shoes, and very, very rarely would that even have. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're telling me, but um, a lot of it sometimes it's an investment. So, um, for example, those off-white UNCs, like you might buy, you might buy them for twelve hundred quid, but see as time goes on, it'll be harder and harder to get like a an unworn pair. So the the resale value is just going to go up and up. Aye. So do you do you when you get these shoes, do you know where them? Do you wear them or which? Yeah, I, um, so that's kind of where the community is kind of divided a wee bit. Um, a lot of people say that you should keep everything what we call dead stock. So that means just never worn with all the tags and stuff like that on it. Right. And just kind of, it's, it's a display piece and because it's so valuable. And then there's kind of where I'm on the other side is where I'm like kind of flexing that a little bit on my Instagram and stuff like that and just wearing yeah. Just wearing them because that's at the end of the day, those shoes they're, they're meant to be worn. Ah, it's just crazy that you, would, you wouldn't wear them. And does the value like, depreciate in what if you, if you do wear them, or do you just yeah, get on you don't yeah. wear them? <laughs> um, so it, it's quite easy to tell after a while, like when shoes have been worn. So uh, you kind of need to be honest about it, but yeah, the value does go down quite significantly, like once you've worn them, but it does also. There's a market for that because if they've already been worn, then people will buy them just to wear them as well. Aye, of course, aye. Because you can just kind of kid on it. No kid on it. It's probably to wear a Nah, yeah. see, I know you're into your, like, kind of, we'll touch on it later on, but you're into your MMA and combat sports and stuff like that. So, see, growing up, were you ever into any other sports or anything like that? Did you ever, like, play football or rugby or anything in school or anything like that? I mean, not not really. I was I was into basketball for a while, but um not enough of my pals actually played basketball, so it was just kinda of me like Aye. just throwing balls at a, a fucking board. So like it's no <laughs> it, it's it's not really fun. But um that that and that and skateboarding, that was really the only kind of two semi athletic things and maybe for a brief time I was really into parkour for a while. Nice. <laughs> no, parkour's mad. It's big in France, isn't it? The French love parkour. You need to be very, very athletic, isn't it? Like, see, yeah, I know when they, like, some people do it, obviously it makes it look easy, but my God, man, it's not easy. I can't even climb a six foot fence, so there's no chance. I'm going to climb up the stairs, man. (laughs) (laughs) um, 
Aye. I was going to say earlier, did, did, if any two, did any two used to play Tony Hawk? Did they used to play Tony aye, Hawk? Aye, aye. They've just I remastered that, haven't they? It's just coming back out. I heard him. And Joe, it was aye, on Joe Rogan. I think it's coming out in September or something, isn't it? You'll be getting that, mate. That's right. <laughs> oh, 100% that's my childhood. <laughs> isn't it? Pro Skater 2. Pro Skater 2, that was my... Aye. I don't know what happened to the first one. Did Denny's ever play the first? Can't remember, mate. Did you play the first one? Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> so, parkour, <laughs> basketball. Um, when did the sort of combat sports come into your mind? Was that quite later on in life? So, you know, I'd say from a kind of younger age, like 18, I always wanted to do something like MMA because I remember... Um, I started kind of going to the gym and stuff like that when I was like around 18, just getting fit and stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, I've noticed this about myself that I've got a very like kind of one track obsessive mind about things. So like if I get into something, I just want to do that all the time. Right. Um, so while I was kind of into getting fit and stuff like that, I just used to watch all the kind of fitness channels on Sky, like heavy boring, <laughs> like yeah, like 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> so, but, yeah. um, on, on one of these channels, there was like late night MMA. So it was like, I think it was like amateur MMA down south in the UK or something like that. Right. And um, I remember watching that and I was just like, that. I was like heavy bold. I was like, that. oh, I could part of them. Like, because it was like, it was really crap amateur <laughs> MMA. Like, there was pure soccer kicks and all that allowed. And oh, it, really? was, it was just madness. And I, I was just thinking, oh, I could, I could do that. Um, but I probably didn't get into MMA until I was about 22, I'd say. Right. Okay. But I, was, I, was, I was actually, I was Muay Thai, I started first. And Muay then I got into MMA after that, yeah. Muay Thai, see, see when you watch Muay Thai, like, it's, a, it's almost, it's, it's very weird to watch because it's like, obviously you can you can utilise it in, in MMA as well, massively, but see their style, they've always got the same style, haven't they? Like Muay Thai. It's so unique. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's very standing up straight and kind of like kind of plodding, and uh, just kind of like big massive kicks to the body and stuff like that. Whereas MMA, you need to be a wee bit lower in your stance and stuff like that, ready for kind of wrestling and all that. Uh, there's a guy um, I can't even for the life of me remember his second name, but Sean Sean begins with a C. Is his second name? He's like one of the the top top boy tie guys in the world. Um, I've watched some of his videos and he's like he's unbeaten. And the guy's like forty, um, but I'll try and find his name later on. You can I'll send you it and you can have a wee look at him. He's incredible. Kenny's got it already, haven't you? No, I've no. <laughs> I've googled it. Is this guy keeps? I don't know. He seems to be following me about my life. See Sean O'Malley in the UFC. Oh, he's brilliant. I can't he stop coming across this guy every few days. It's just Sugar. keeps popping up. Aye, he's unbeaten or something. Like that. He's got some record. Uh, he's not unbeaten, uh, I don't think, but he's he won the Ultimate Fighter, didn't he? And then he's um, he's just, unbeaten, yeah. Uh, is he unbeaten? Is he? That's the first time I, I, I think when it comes to UFC, I think that I've been right, and, and <laughs> you've, you've been wrong. Because you, you love it, don't you? If you're I love watching it. Aye, it's brilliant. Uh, but, um, so see, we'll touch on the, obviously the MMA sort of side of things later on, <clears throat> and a bit more kind of in depth. But do you do you have like, a yeah. brand that's sort of just started or is fairly new that? That you would kind of do you get some of their stuff, or are you pretty much solely supreme or sort of high end brands? Um, so 
one brand I'd probably need to give love to is because uh, they, well, they sponsor me and stuff like that, right. is uh, Fossa Clothing, F-O-S-S-A Clothing. Right. Um, they're, a, they're, a, they're a Glasgow brand, and um, they all kind of preach like an organic clothing, so it's all good and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do kind of work with them quite a lot, and right. they're a really good Anyone watching this, you should definitely check them out. What's the website? Because I've just looked up just now and it says fossaapparel.com and the first thing that's came up is face masks. Very uh, very in trend the new maybe they're Fossa. just <laughs> they'll just keep up with things. I mean they might, they might be doing uh, face masks. Maybe dot co dot uk the website, but uh, maybe dot co dot uk. Is it a bear? Is there a bear in the uh, logo? Yeah, it's, it's dot co dot uk. Yeah, yeah, that's them. Need to check them out then, right, definitely. Right, well, we could, we could ask them to make us t-shirts, Kev, couldn't we? <laughs> could I? <laughs> Don't know if I've got uh, Drezzy's budget right enough, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Just looking for two, just two, two t-shirts. Exactly. So if you're listening, send us two t-shirts, huh? Um, right. But Kev, <laughs> Kerry, what was it you were talking about? Um, you seen a pair of Drezzy's shoes? Hi, seen your Instagram? Yeah, I was obviously a bit. I was being really nosy and creepy, so I was scrolling down. You had a pair of that's what it's ever. <laughs> uh, so a pair of red Nike trainers, so quite high tops. The ones I'm talking about, so unique. I they were so different. I'd never ever seen them before, and I'm gonna go and look so I can actually talk to you about them. Because I was thought you thought you might award them. So but, I'm trying. To... I'm trying. I'm trying to think because uh, the only red pair of Nike top, uh, trainers I have are like a really beat pair of Jim Red Jordans. It might be. It might. No. <laughs> well, it might be. These I them there. AF shoe. No, no. That's oh, that's no. That's the first pair of force ones that Michael Jordan wore, but in it in, in Madison Square Garden. It's these. Uh, well, they're, are, are, they're, See if he's only going to be yours. This is going to be really embarrassing for me. Yeah? <laughs> like, it's definitely your profile. So. If, oh, it's very embarrassing for you because you put it up on your Instagram. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, so th- those are the Red Octobers. Um, that is a, a collaboration is that with Kanye. Uh, so it's Kanye. It's Kanye that um, did a collaboration with uh, Nike because before he done the deal with Adidas, he Aye. collaborated with Nike first. So that's uh, the Air Yeezy Red October. So... I don't actually personally have them. Uh, I just posted a picture of them because they're, them. <laughs> they're amazing. But uh, they they sell for like seven grand or something like that, and I'm not uh, I'm not yeah. about to drop that cheddar on it. <laughs> not yet, not yet. That I'm, I'm I'm not ready for that. I remember. Uh, I don't remember actually. I'm telling lies that I even thought that he'd done that, but just that's how different they look. Here. Like that's how. Just pure Kanye West on the back of him, eh? <laughs> I know. See, um, see, when you get your stuff through, obviously, that these different companies, is there a kind of specific like, community or a certain website that sells everything in the one, or do you just contact your sponsors directly and they kind of send you stuff, and how does it work? Um, so, with Instagram, it's very much brands, kind of, well, I'd say for the most part, I need to contact brands and see if they want to do like a collaboration. Right. Um, and a lot of things you do, you have to wade through um, the shite. Um, <laughs> and 
just today I got a message and it's um, as a lot of brands tend to do this, especially if they're just starting out, they'll message you and say that they want to work with you and then they'll say, so see if you buy some of our stuff at a discount, you can basically be our brand ambassador, which is a whole lot of shit because that's not like a collaboration, that's you asking me to be a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be sending the same message saying I'm not looking to pay money to like advertise your brand. Like, so I'm just I'm just kind of getting started on this whole kind of deal with dads and stuff like that. So, um, I'm, it's all kind of really really new to me. Yeah. I I remember I posted a it was when I was I was this was way before lockdown. I'd post a video up on Instagram um, talking about a fitness class that I was starting and stuff like that, and somebody commented on it saying, "Oh." We you should we should do a a, co- a collab. So I was like, I think I was Billy Big Boys, and I messaged them, and they were like sending me a, like, a link, go and look at a brand, and it was like they sold everything. They sold like watches, soaps, jackets, shirts, suits, everything. And I'm like, that's a bit weird. Yeah. Like, um, so I messaged them back, and they they done the same thing. They said, oh, we'll give you sixty percent off. Um, very good. And then I went yeah. and googled it, and I went on to like. Um, Remember Tam was talking about like drop shipping, Gav? Aye, aye, aye. This isn't exactly what this thing was. They'd done drop shipping. So <laughs> so I just went and took the, the name of a watch that they had, put it in the AliExpress or Alibaba, and the watch came up for like aye. fiver. They were yeah, showing it for 150 quid and saying, oh, give me 60 quid, 60% half. Aye. Aye. Cheap aye. It's, 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 exact, it's the exact same in uh, the fitness industry. Like Anybody can be like a man ambassador for uh, Gymshark or like, my protein. Uh, it's like you just need to buy the stuff at a kind of discounted rate and then you get like a weird code that you can somehow earn money if people use your code and all that. It's uh, it's just a bit know, ridiculous to be honest. Probably not going to make your money back, are you? Let's be honest. So, um, no. how did you start to sort of gain a following? Because I know it's obviously been fairly fairly recent, like maybe the last three or four years since you started um, sort of getting invested in it. So when did you start to get a bit of your following going? So I, I only started this Instagram profile maybe a year ago, but um, it was just kind of, it was more for like photography and stuff like that, and um, just like memes, like, I don't know, it was, it was just a random page that I started, yeah. um, I actually, I kind of started off as an experiment, because um, basically like on my kind of private, well it's private now, but before was uh, where I was posting the majority of my kind of MMA content and stuff like promoting my fights and stuff like that and I realised that none of my friends and family were kind of giving me support. Yeah. Like no, like even like a like and stuff like that, I was, I'd like had like 500 followers or something but I was getting like 10 likes on a photo and I'm just like, I, I, I was like, I bet I can get more strangers to like kind of give Sorry. me support on a different profile, completely unrelated, nobody I know than like actual people that I know. Because like, I'll post a, a story on my private and it'll be like 120 people view it. And I'm like, all these people are looking at my profile, but none of them are actually liking anything. <laughs> like that. So, so I just kind of started it just to see how far I could take it. And then somehow I managed, ended up with like just north of 4,000 followers. I don't really know how it's happened. It's just kind of like... What's happened, really? <laughs> so do you, I know you're, um, so you're managed, or your management is my influencers. So what, yeah. what sort of part do they play then? So what do they, they do for you? Do you just kind of promote you through their side? Um, so what they kind of tend to do is 
they were what, kind of in touch with some brands. If it's it's kind of hard because I joined I joined it when uh, we're in amongst this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a lot of brands aren't really looking for people to kind of do work with and stuff because they can't exactly promote when we're all kind of indoors and stuff like that. Hmm. But um, I. I can never think the main thing that management has done for me is um, they've put me in touch with other, well, like, I, I hate that word, influencer, I think it's just dead cringy. Um, <coughs> I, I, like if somebody asks if I'm an influencer, I tend to say no because I don't like that word. But yeah. they do put you in touch with other, other, other influencers and stuff like that and people who have got like a much bigger following than me. Uh-huh. So um, with all these kind of other these other people who have much larger followings, they're sticking you in their Instagram story, they're giving you shout outs and stuff. So you're getting more kind of eyes on your profile and stuff like that. So I think that's probably the main thing that they've done for me is put more eyes to my profile and kind of up my following a little bit. So is that, that's the bit you do then? You just connect with these people and then they help it and it just grows and that's it pretty much? But that, that that's how it's supposed to go, yeah. But you... Like everything, you have your ups and downs and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, you're losing the followers, and you think it's the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever find that, that when these people are putting you in touch with these other people, that oh, maybe he's getting back to you, and they might get jealousy with what you're putting out, and are they is everybody quite loving in a way, and they're quite open to so, show you what they're doing? I was I was actually talking to the. Uh, Another guy, he's got a much bigger following. I mean, he's got like ten thousand followers or something. But uh, he's he's also from Glasgow, but he's more than happy to like kind of help everybody. And um, we we're just having a kind of conversation about how it grows the following and stuff like that. And it tends to be this competitive now. Especially like if it's somebody who is in your niche, so like right. male male males who are like into kind of fashion and clothing might kind of be reluctant to help you out and stuff because you might be stealing brands from them right. and then there's there's like people like me who i'm just happy to like kind of help everybody um if there's people who don't have as much to follow and i'm only happy to give them a shout and hopefully get them some more followers it just i think it just depends on the person and if they're kind of jealous and uh, kind of person to not help out so it just depends on the person really you, you've started a, a, a YouTube channel as well, haven't you? Um, fairly recently. Yep. So what made you decide to, to start that? Um, and how have you found it so far? Has it been quite difficult to try and build a following as opposed to Instagram because people need to go in and watch? And... Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. It's really hard to get people to jump platform. Yep. Um, I noticed that because uh, I was really reluctant to kind of make a youtube account and i was thinking just posting my videos on instagram because you have like igtv which is like videos up to i think it's 10 minutes or something like that you can post um but i don't know i just kind of thought i may as well cover as many platforms as possible and um hopefully i can just build my youtube up to be just as big or kind of more than my Instagram because like you you're gonna get a transfer where people who see you on YouTube will follow you on Instagram and people who follow you on Instagram will follow yeah. you on YouTube and stuff like that. It's just a I think it's a more interesting way to kind of get people to know you a little bit better because it's well especially if it's vlogs vlogs kind of tend to be ten to fifteen minutes yeah. so it's kind of a longer form of content that people kind of get to know you a little bit better than just seeing like a picture of you wearing flashy gear. Yeah. 
<laughs> hmm. I found it. See, even the difference between like Facebook and Instagram, it's it's, it's massive. It's so so different. They and they're both like Facebook. Uh, yeah, I, I don't use Facebook and, at all. Uh, yeah. Never. No, not at all. No, maybe I, I, even... I, I use I use it personally, like uh-huh. mostly for looking at looking at memes and all that. <laughs> but aye, yeah, I would aye. never. I'd, I'd never use it in a kind of business point of view because. Um, I think see the difference. I mean, I could be I could be totally wrong here, but I think um, see the difference between Instagram and Facebook. Like, I think people on Instagram are I want to say lazier, but you just look at something you like it. You don't need to sit and read through and but do you know what I mean? I think Facebook's more yeah. for like family and stories an older, and that kind of stuff. It's, aye, it's aye. an older generation, mate. It's, it's like before Facebook, there was what was it? MySpace or Bebo. Bebo. Remember Bebo? Um, Maybe you're even, Bebo. even before that, there was Friends Reunited. Like that, like that's how far back it goes. Like, remember my mum talking about that and I found it pure weird. I mean, what's that? I've never even <laughs> heard of Friends Reunited. It's, there you go. I've never heard of it. Why post all your stuff on there? Man, that, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, aye, good luck with your YouTube channel, mate. And it's, aye, we've obviously started yours as well, aye, well on, on well, this, well, but... Explain is the see how you went on eBay and you got a supreme box for a hundred pound. How? Because oh, that's, that's that's quite an American thing to get Amazon things for so much money. Like, or maybe you don't want to tell us your secrets. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, but how does that work? Um. So. So uh, it was kind of a big boom for a lot of YouTubers and kind of um, kind of big promoters and stuff like that. The the mystery box, like I don't know, like for some some reason people just go apeshit over watching people unbox something like mm-hmm. i don't know it's just like <laughs> ingrained in your dna for some reason so um stuff that we're doing kind of hype beast unboxing um so i just kind of and there's a lot of sellers that are willing to do it and i uh, just happened to find one of them but I mean that that box that I bought, and you can see it on my channel that the box was pretty shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what I, I was telling Kenny because Kenny was saying what was in it, and I was it was like a it was like a lighter case, and there was like a poncho type thing, and you had your poncho I, another I, day, didn't you? You posted that on your Instagram, didn't you? I, that's that's right. I, I thought I it was pretty cool, was... man. Surely, surely, yeah. Maybe not hundred pound, but I mean. I'm quite happy because it's content, so it's something for me to post and for some someone else to kind of laugh and be like, "Oh, that was really shit. Look at that." <laughs> um, but if, if I if I was just buying it for me, I'd be proper disappointed in that because a hundred quid, like you could have done a bit better than that. Aye. That's why I didn't plug the guy. The plug the guy was asking to plug on Instagram, and I'm like, ah, "Absolutely not." Aye. <laughs> aye. So what, what was that? What was the other things you got on it? So you had, I know you, I seen the lighter case, the poncho, and there was some other sort of random stuff. What else did you get in it? So I got this is bringing this up pure, really... this is bringing up pure bad memories, isn't it? <laughs> so I got this fun bag that you could wear to Tran for the festival if you right. wanted. Um, I don't know if any of you want to buy this. Hi, you can sell it. That's a skateboarding brand, so, but in it is it no? Hi. I knew that. Uh, I, I don't actually know what heap is. Pure nah, garbage. Fills a shoebox, <laughs> <laughs> And they also they, they gave me a, a car air freshener, but um, 
I took I took the top off it and I hung it in my car and I couldn't even smell it and and I dropped <laughs> it and it just spilled everywhere. But I was just like, what's the fucking point in this? <laughs> I, I, nice. I find it like uh, I, I watched the the YouTube channel and see that unbox therapy. I watched that. I watched that. It was quite good. But this this mystery yeah. box thing. Aye. Um, I've seen people opening boxes and there's like fifty grand worth of stuff in it and they've only bought and we've spent like a grand in it. So it must be fake, yeah. It's got to be fake. Well, I think how it really works is um, if it's a big YouTuber with a big following, they'll contact the seller beforehand and be like, oh, I want to do a YouTube video on this. So the the people who are supplying the box will end up giving them really good shit and like well over the value of the box. So then when it comes up on YouTube, I'll be like, hi, this is Mystery Box comes from blah, blah, blah. And right. this is all the kind of stuff that I got on it. And you tend to find that other people be like, oh, well, if he got that in that mystery box, then I'm going to buy it and then I'm going to get it and make money off it when the reality is you're going to get like a mad neon green hype bag and it looks shit. <laughs> 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 there's, there's an actual company doing this now. Like they, that's what they, they so they're, they're selling you the box, right? And I was trying to find it quickly. I remember watching it in Unbox Therapy. They're selling so many of these boxes. And if you don't open it after you receive it for 30 days, They'll give you a grand and a half, but if you open it, you can get something that's maybe off a ten or a five, or maybe you get an iPhone. Um, maybe you uh, get so a drone. Like brushing all that. Aye, I watched that. So I do. You can. I suppose see if you've got that sort of disposable ink or disposable cash, that's it, yeah. you wouldn't mind doing yeah. something like that. Do you know what I mean? But you wouldn't be spending even five hundred quid on something that might be absolute shit. It's just uh, not worth it. Yeah, it's called it's called uh, mischief um, box. So you can you can win a Tesla. Um, pair of Jordans. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, Andres, you obviously we, we kind of touched on your sort of MMA um, or combat sports. How did it actually come about? So I remember obviously you saying you'd watch that sort of late night and you're thinking, I could have him. a good go at this year, I'll batter him. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> do you remember like, your first sort of experience? Like, so you started off in Muay Thai. Did you just go into a gym, do like some sort of fundamentals class or... Um, I, I think, and uh, you kind of covered this on your podcast with Jamie, is like the, the first step is just getting up these stairs. Um, it's quite daunting. <laughs> it's quite daunting uh, joining a gym, yeah. um, especially when it's kind of martial arts and stuff like that. When Because like, my only experience with martial arts was uh, kids taekwondo, so like, yeah. I'd, I'd never, I never really knew what it was like to even be in a fight gym, so... Just kind of getting yourself to go to the gym in the first place, but um, I just kind of turned up to a fundamental class. And like my first class, uh, the the head coach Guy Ramsey, he he held class for me because there was no day my size. Because when I walked in the grip house, I was 110 kilo. <laughs> oh really? Um, and yeah, I uh, so I just kind of just kind of sped on for there really. So you are you quite tall? Uh, I'm five eleven, so no, not really. No. He's like, I'm a hundred and two kilos now. I'm no, no great shakes. So you, you must be, couldn't you have been? You must be quite strong. You've got to the gym then, eh? Um, so before I did like um, martial arts and stuff like that, I was really heavily into powerlifting. But yeah. then I kind of stopped powerlifting, but I kept eating the same. So I just, <laughs> right, okay. I just ended up getting like heavy fat for a while. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> what, what sort of made you give that up though? Did you just kind of? Thought I love you a wee bit, or? Um, well, 
like I said before, I put blinders on and I get obsessed with something and I just want to do it all and like I want to be like the best of whatever that version is. So like, I wanted to be like the strongest guy in the world and like be the heaviest guy in the world. Yeah. But, um, realistically, your kind of your your body kind of fails you, especially without steroids and stuff like that. Um, I also remember uh, I was going to the gym with my pal. Um, my shoelace was untied, and I remember taking my shoelace and getting a bit. And just thinking, fuck, like, what am I doing? Am I still? But yeah, wait, I missed that there. Uh, you, you, what happened when you went to tie your shoelace? Oh, I was out, I was out of breath. You were oh, out of breath? Right. Oh, right, right, right. No, so you just, just became a sort of a unhealthy sort of way, and you're thinking, I need to change this? Aye, um, it's it's not a healthy sport. Well, it's, it's definitely not good for your bones and joints and stuff like that, so... Yeah. I, nah, I decided, nah, it's it's not for me. So how how hard must it have been for you step in, like you say, 110 kilo into the grip house and then your first session were you just like, What the fuck have I done here? or did you enjoy it? Yeah. Uh, I I remember doing like the warm up and uh, I remember absolutely dying because I'd I was <laughs> I've never really been a big cardio person, like yeah. Cardio was like just not for me at all, <laughs> and mm. I remember just uh, doing the warm up. I think it was like just starting off with jumping jacks, and I was absolutely like pissing a sweat, just <laughs> thinking, I don't know if I'll be able to make an hour. Aye, what was the see for anybody who doesn't know? I think we did touch on Jamie's, but so see the fundamentals class when you joined. So you joined was it specifically for striking? So you think I'm going to go in for Muay Thai, or were you just thinking I'll go in see what I like the best and maybe take it from there? I saw, like, I, th- I think the initial goal for me was to do MMA, but um, I just turned up and it happened to be that there was a speaking class on. Right. I just kind of done that. And I was doing just the same time I joined the house, but it just kind of happened to be that I got off for a fight from Muay Thai. Right. And I just kind of kept doing Muay Thai over and over again. So I ended up doing that for like three years or something and just kind of fell away for the jiu-jitsu. So when did you get off of the fight then? So did you start taking it, I'm assuming you started taking it a bit more seriously and training a lot more and stuff like that, and then there's an opportunity to, to fight someday? Is that how long kind of into your training was that? Um, I would say that I'm kind of the exception to the rule. A lot of people train for maybe like a year or two. Uh-huh. But um, I, I got offered my first fight maybe six or seven months in. And I think it's just because I picked it up really quickly. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, even even when I was kind of like sparring and stuff like that, I was kind of like holding my own against like some like really decent guys and like some of the kind of top guys in the gym. Yeah. So I, I think that that's why Guy just decided to offer me a fight because he kind of knew that I'd be able to make an okay go of it. Is that because he, your personality, you see, you get blinkers on, you, you know, blinders or whatever, and you just get dead obsessive? So you're watching hundreds of videos and hundreds of ways to improve, right. aye? Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, um, uh, my kind of first stint of Muay Thai, I was uh, working night shift, so, like, I would go, like, a full Friday um, of no sleep and just go straight to the gym, like, after work and all that, and uh, because I just wanted to do just that and, like, just that every single day, so I would train, like, twice a day and stuff like that, and I was just new in the sport. Uh, so your commitment was, like, 110%, aye. Obviously helps, you know what I mean? But like you said, you become do you think you became sort of too obsessive with, with, with certain things? Like can it kinda of break you a wee bit if you're training all that, that that much and researching and 
injuries. I, I, de- I, def- I definitely say it's, uh, it's been a learning point. Uh, I'd say that I get too obsessive over things and it was a detrimental a wee bit when um, I think that's kind of what happened with my tie is I wasn't making the kind of progress that I wanted to make. Yeah. And it was like, it was really getting me. So you just kind of fall away from it. So what was the transition then between Muay Thai and MMA? How did that happen? Um, so it was actually uh, Joanne Calderwood, uh, oh, UFC fighter. Um, so she she started off in Muay Thai, but um, she would always kind of like float about the Thai room and be like, "Oh, come come do do, do jujitsu, like just try it, it'll be fun and all that." And then uh, I always remember she said to me, "She's like, you you definitely do MMA. I can just tell that you you pure love it." And I was like, "Right, okay, like I'll give it a go." And uh, I think it was like a year later or something like that. I just decided one Friday night to just turn up, and it was like shootboxing or something. I was like, "Right, I'll I'll give it a go." Yeah. And just started training in MMA, and just kind of off of a fight, like maybe I don't know, like six months down the line again. What's shootboxing? So shootboxing shoot is like a, it's basically kickboxing with wrestling, but no jiu-jitsu. So you can shoot takedowns and stuff like that. Right. But as soon as it goes to the ground, you reset. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So she's um, she's massive now. Yeah. She she's got like a she's got a title fight, isn't she? In the UFC. I think she's uh, scheduled to fight Valentina Shevchenko. Aye. Has that been postponed? No. Is it, when when is she due to fight? I, I, I don't. I don't I, I think I think it has been prospered. I don't know if it's been due to injury or something. I don't know. No, but that's massive. I, I remember. I remember. Um, I used to work in a gym. I was doing in uh, Oswald Street. It used to be LA Fitness. Um, and do you remember the UFC, the UFC I, I came? Used, to, I used to train there. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Probably, I used to laugh there. Probably seen you about then. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I remember the UFC came to Glasgow. Um, it must have been about five years ago. Um, and it was Michael Bisping was the was the main the main um, what you call it the main event oh, that's right. yeah. uh, against this Brazilian guy or whatever and uh, the UFC fighters were staying in the Radisson above, right above the gym so the UFC fighters came down and they were training and I remember it was the day before it was obviously the wait, day of the weigh-ins and uh, it was a Friday so one of the coaches had came down and said listen like, can we get in like an hour before the gym opens, they go in and use a sauna because we're obviously all cutting weight. Um, so we had to come in, and I came in an hour earlier the next day to open up and make sure like they could go in and use the saunas and stuff like that. And uh, but before they come in, I said, "Well, can we get some tickets in?" The thing is, so they gave us they gave us tickets in the uh, the sort of family seating area. It was it was absolutely amazing. But uh, Jojo Collar was on that card as well. I went to see her and then like yeah. five years later she's fighting for a world title. It's unbelievable. So she, uh, she, she's, she's done really does well for herself. Does she still wear like grip house? Like kind of the tag or anything that or the logo on any apparel, no? Or does she just patch it on? So obviously America now, eh? No, I suppose uh, she trains under uh, I think it's Jason Wood. Right. I, um, I think it's I can't remember what gym it is, but it's in Vegas or something like that. But I uh, she's a uh, really big thing. I think she, uh, she's she's married to him now, so. Alright, uh, she, she's not going to she's not going to put another brand, is she? No, no, no. That was good knowledge. Yeah, that was good knowledge. I asked that question, thinking I don't think they're looking for sponsors and people's shops. And stuff like that, so. <laughs> oh, well done. That was good, guys. So, what was the she competing like? 
obviously you've done it in, in Muay Thai, right? Which is which is obviously a bit different. But what was the first time competing in MMA? Like, do you? We spoke to Jamie obviously about this as well, and get a bit of an understanding of your thought process and stuff like that. But see, when you got the fight, were you did you kind of have your nerves kind of put to ease a wee bit because you'd already competed um, in, a, in a combat sport? So it's weird. Like I've I've had I think uh, five fights now, and uh, it's weird because the 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 before experience is different for each one of them. Um, some sometimes I feel really nervous, and then uh, other times I just don't feel anything at all. Like it's it's kind of weird. It's like um. It's like being at your job or something like that, and just one day you kind of be asked, like, and and another day like you're really happy to be there. It's it's a weird feeling. But um, my first MMA fight, I was like really nervous, and uh, it's weird because like my actual last Muay Thai fight, I was um I was like heavy up for it. I was dead excited and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I just think the the transition because I was pretty new to jujitsu and stuff like that. I was uh, yeah. I was quite nervous, thinking I I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. Were you thinking about like if somebody took you down? Because all right, you've had a bit of striking experience, but if somebody took you down, were you thinking, "Oh shit, I might kind of get out back, outmatched here"? I will. That that was that was a weird thing. It was actually the striking that fucked me for my first MMA fight, yeah. um, and I, I was actually a much better grappler than him in my in my first fight. Um, it was the striking because uh, he was quite new to the sport, so he was just kind of swinging. And um, I've been I've been, stri- been striking that long that um, you're used to seeing kind of clean technique and stuff like that, and people are just feeling out with a jab and all that. But you kind of don't get prepared for somebody just throwing like a big double right hand, just trying <laughs> to like take your head off. Aye. Um, but uh, when he did try and take me down, I ended up on top and just pounding away for like four minutes or something like that. And uh, then the second round, I mean, getting like caught with a heavy big right hand, and I was just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you can get in your head a bit too much about it and think, oh, like, what if I get taken down or not? And then you don't think about the striking. Aye. It's, kind, it's kind of like uh, Conor McGregor. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I've actually never won a fight. Oh, man. I am. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of these things. So, like, um, my first Muay Thai fight, uh, I thought I won it. I lost by split decision. Right. And, uh, like, a, a big thing about Muay Thai is uh, it's all about the body kicks and stuff like that. And I felt like I landed, like, a lot more body kicks than and he just kind of tried to punch. Um, so, like, every single fight I've lost by split decision, apart from the last one where I got a uh, rear naked choked. Right. See, the thing, like, Jamie was talking about this as well, like, um, and it's sort of amateur level. It's no, it's not so much about the, the the record though, isn't it? It's about like they're trying to get experience of situations yeah, and whatever. Uh, you, nobody really thinks about the record as such until you start to compete maybe absolutely. at a higher level. Do you know what I mean? So, but it, like yeah. fair play for you even getting anywhere near that because see the thought of that. I know I've never trained for it a day in my life seriously. So, but the thought of getting in a cage like a um, a cage an, an event, and having yeah. a fight like, it just it petrifies you. Do you know what I mean? So. For anybody who does it, it's it takes oh, some levels like big time. Definitely, aye, aye. But that's the thing. Like I know I'm more than capable of like getting a win and stuff like yeah. that. It's just um, it's just kind of happened to work out the way it has now. But I'm I'm not as interested in fighting. Uh, I just kind of want to train and stuff like that. 
Like I'm, I might take a fight down the line or something like that just to kind of get the win. But um, I'm not really interested in because, like I said, like when I kind of lock on to something, I really want to do it. And at that point, when I was doing MMA, I was like in my head, I was like, oh, I can make it to Bellator or make it to the UFC uh, or something like that. When like it's just kind of not the reality. So <laughs> I've kind of fallen, I've fallen away from wanting to fight and stuff like that. And just kind of want to focus on building a platform instead and content making. Aye. Well, because that could be quite dangerous, though, do you know what I mean? If you, see if you're not, see if you're going in thinking, oh, I'm just going to fight for the sake of it, see if you're not, your heart's not on it, it's not going to happen, is it? So, I, I you're probably doing the right that's thing, taking a step back and maybe re-evaluating, so. Yeah. So, what about, you, you what see about so lockdown? Many... Is, is, is lockdown, sorry, is, is that kind of scourging for, for your training and stuff like that as well? If, if you're even just wanting to train? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people have kind of done the same thing with like the first few weeks of lockdown. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do hundreds of home workouts <laughs> and all that, and I'm 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 going to be just as fat as when I when I entered lockdown. But I've just kind of been like, I can't be arsed going another run. I can't be arsed like Aye. doing another another burpee in my house. Like I just want to <laughs> really hit, hit, hit some pads or something like that. Yeah, you know, you do you do something that's actually enjoyable because I as you see, everybody's been the same. I was the exact same. You know, like starting out. For the first maybe month and a half, I was doing home workouts and we've got kettlebells and stuff like that, and then going runs. But yeah. in the last month or something, I'm just been like, I'm just done. I'm just embracing it. <laughs> I will, a month and a half, mate. That's way too. That's way too too long, in my opinion. You commit to training, so <laughs> done really well today. It was like six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh. taking a leaf at uh, Lewis Capaldi's book. Did you see his comment the other day? No. And he said, uh, no, I that. he said, I've put, <laughs> put on 14 pounds, put on love handles, but fuck it, it's a pandemic, baby. Oh, I said, mate, as long as we don't, if we don't, if we don't catch it or, or kick the bucket and we've done well, haven't we? Come out the end, Aye, so I'm just going to, I don't know if this is ever going to happen again, so you may as well make the most of it and enjoy yourself, eh? Aye. And I don't enjoy running that much, so. No, running, you need to be a certain type of person, don't you? So, so, do you train or trained? With Jamie, what one is it? Do you still train with him? Obviously, no one knows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hadn't been in the gym as much. I'd, I'd been a, uh, I kind of, I was training with Jamie for his last fight before he pulled out. Um, yeah. I was kind of just doing what I, I wanted. Um, because before I was really in a habit where I was like, you need to train six six times a week and stuff like yeah. that. You need to get your wrestling, you know, you need to get your jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And uh, more recently, I kind of took a, I'm working at a lackadaisical kind of approach to it when I'm just like, I'll just do a class here and there. I'll just do what I want. I'll hit the bag for a wee bit. Um, not kind of pressuring myself, myself to do too much or anything like that. Right. So, so, but yeah, I've, I've still very much been training with uh, Jamie and the rest of the team. How do you, um, obviously you, you're going to say you think you'll do well, right? But how how far do you think somebody like Jamie could go? Like, you obviously, I've watched a couple of fights as well. He's pretty decent, still new. But can you see quite a lot of potential in him? And his commitment's like very, very good. Do you know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Um, J- Jamie's definitely got potential to like, like go pro and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's like... The only thing I can set back James had has just been kind of like behind the scenes and stuff like that. It's never been. Uh, it's, 
Um, some you know sometimes life just gets in the way. Um, like with him having having the wee man and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just just sometimes life gets in the way and kind of prevents you from doing certain things. But I think when the gym comes back and all that, he'll he'll get another fight and I'll just be hit the ground running again. Yeah. For what, for what I for what I get from like, we spoke to him the day before we done a podcast and we done a podcast like he seems to be wired differently for fellow people. I think he'll go back to the gym and he'll probably be in one of the top ten percent of people who are still quite fit and still at a reasonable level. Whereas a lot of other people, and maybe I'm just talking, uh, maybe I don't know, I don't know these people, but there's only so long you can sustain a, a certain level of fitness when it comes to that sort of type of sport and, and maintain it for yeah for well, a month. <laughs> There's kind of there's, there's certain guys who have definitely just taken their training to the, the next level. There's a there's a few guys I train with, uh, Rhys McEwen. Uh, he's he's just gone pro, but um, he was like one of the top amateurs in the country that trained with us. And uh, like lo- lockdown doesn't really seem to have affected him at all. Like he's got a heavy bag and he's uh, he's back garden enough and he's hitting, he's getting all his rounds in, all his reps and stuff like that. And it's just you know, people find a way if they're really dedicated to something. Yeah, because if you're no like, aye, 100%, but that'll set people aside. You know what I mean? When you come back, when everybody goes back to to, to the gym and they start making fights and whatever, these people will be, well, effectively three, month, three months ahead of everybody else, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. 100%. Um, so, Absolutely. What's, yeah, what's, absolutely. so, for future, so you're just going to go back to, back to Grip House, just keep training, See what happens. Just take it from there. So you've not really got an interest in fighting as as yet, but like you say, you can maybe revisit it. No, I, I, th- I think I'll start competing in jiu-jitsu. I've uh, I've competed in jiu-jitsu before, and it was really fun. And yeah. you can kind of do it without getting injured for the most part. Yeah. So um, I think I'll maybe just kind of focus on doing that for a bit, and maybe helping other guys get ready for fights. But. Uh, it's kind of as it stands. I'm not really that interested in fighting right now because, I mean, my focus is kind of on something else now. Aye. Aye. So how how far are you looking to take your, the platform you've got now? How, how far are you want to push that? And how do you well, go about that? Is it sticking with that my influencers? Is there, is there other ways, other types that you can go down? Well, well, like I said, I, I'm obsessed. So, like, and as far as my head, I'm gonna be like the biggest YouTuber in the world. I'm gonna have like aye, a million aye. followers. Now. <laughs> but, <laughs> you feel uh, that? <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it one day at a time. Um, my following's going pretty fast, so I'll just see where it kind of goes, and yep. uh, ho- hopefully, I'll be able to get some brand deals that will be able to like give me more free shit. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> free, free, free stuff is the best stuff, man. So, see, just on the, the sort of money side of things, right? See, see for see, in order to go full time or something like this, do you would your plan to be? You get these um, these products and then you resell them for a higher price, or do people pay you, or how does it work with that sort of thing? So there is a there is a kind of um, there's a whole community basically based on reselling and. Um, the whole kind of shoe and clothing community is kind of divided on it, whether it's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing. Yeah. Just because you're probably making money on shoes. Me personally, um, if you want to sell shoes for a much higher value than the retail, then go ahead. Like, somebody's got to make money, you know? Yeah. Um, 
the only bad side with it is it has a kind of it takes away the chance for people who just want to wear the shoes. It takes away their chance to actually get the shoes because there's so many people who are doing it just for money and they're probably yeah. going to try harder than the people who just want to wear it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm more than happy to kind of resell stuff, especially like if I've stopped wearing it because then it's just kind of sitting there. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever have like a go of having your own brand was that like maybe one day you would maybe think that you would like to do or um so yeah that that is down the line like as i've kind of got a, a layout of everything i want to do and having my own brand is something that i would be kind of interested in doing it's just um i think before you make your own brand you kind of need to build a certain kind of platform before you do that yeah um right. so, so i'm I'm going to build my platform a little bit more before releasing any sort of, like, I'll probably do, like, a limited release of, like, a T-shirt or something like that and yeah. just see how that goes. We've got people... two customers, mate. <laughs> oh, aye, definitely. But I find that a lot of people do a lot of the, the whole, like, who's the last thief of Ireland that does the, the deal, like, the, their name in, like, Boohoo, and they do, like, a range uh, and stuff like that. I think that's probably, also, I'm saying, you can make your own brand, but I think that's one way I kind of, testing the water and seeing what you can come up with and seeing what the response is like as opposed to having to fund something. I mean, people are doing that for nothing. Yeah. I'd imagine yeah, as well, it takes a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of cash to, to probably start that. Do you know what I mean? But like you say, if you start it off slow and see what the, the response is like, then you never know mm-hmm. where, it could, where it could take you, I suppose, eh? Aye. No, I man. You seem to have figured everything out, but I mean, if you kind of like, you've got a plan made out, that's oh. mad. I definitely think yeah, that's that. a good way to go about it. No, I mean, see what you're talking about, like you're you're obsessed with things, then you won't mm-hmm. stop until you've done something. Do you know what I mean? Whether that be obviously you've you fought in Muay Thai after six months of training, you then moved on to MMA, now you've got something new. So unless something else new comes up, then you're you're obsessed by it. Then. Right. <laughs> but I have I have kind of took lessons from like those kind of previous things and. Uh, I kind of know now when to maybe kind of hold back the reins and stuff like that uh-huh. and, uh, uh-huh. and just, say, just say calm down a little bit. Like right now, I just want to buy and I'm just fucking put it on my jam and I'm like, do do it. We should really get a plan together, Gav, because that's something we've never done. We made a plan. I know, we just went for it. But, um, Listen, mate, Kenny, any more questions around that you want to just, ask? Just, just the one question that I was asked, but I messed up. Last time, duty being too drunk. So I'm, I'm no willing to commit to asking the question because you present it far better than me. So right. you can take it. Andres, we've got one question for you. Okay. So this is going to be a regular occurrence for all our guests. So the one question, if you could have one drink and one drink only, what would you have and who would it be with? Anybody in the world? Mm, that's a hard one. <laughs> so I need to I need to pick the drink. Pick the drink, yeah. I'd, I'd probably say that I want I would want to have a whiskey with Jimi Hendrix. That's nice, a good one. nice. That's but, but whiskey, you need to pick your whiskey, <laughs> must be because if you drink whiskey, you must have like you must go. Oh, I like a a good a carry. Thank you, Highland Park. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so, 
I'd probably say an hour lower, 12 year. Um, ever since I went up to the Highlands to visit my pal, I've become a pure whiskey snob with stuff like that. So nothing has ever tasted <laughs> the same ever since having an hour lower, 12 year old whiskey. So I'd probably say right. that. Right. Good. Good. Right, so where can everybody get in touch with you then for the people that listen to this? So I'm on Instagram, at Instagram, at flex underscore with underscore dres, D-R-E-Z. And then just search Flex with Drez on YouTube as well and get me subscribed, basically. Right. Very easy to find you, I know, actually, when I, when I Googled um, your YouTube channel. On, oh, that's on good, that's good. It was easy <laughs> to find it you. It pops up, pops up. But listen, mate, thanks very much for your time and, and coming on and just talking through, because it's very niche, as we say, like we don't get a lot of people that, that speak out these things, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Especially so, for Glasgow, I think. Aye, well, there obviously is yeah, visiting you and there's an article. It's a massive thing, like, and it's it's cool to speak to somebody who actually does it from Glasgow, which is nice. Aye, because like you say, it, maybe, maybe people people listening are like, ah, oh, I'd love to do that, but they don't know how. Then Aye. that's what you do. Yeah. You just start buying cool stuff and posting it. Exactly. <laughs> it's as easy as that, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Well, we'll take up anywhere your time, mate. So, again, Aye. thanks for coming on and brilliant. Wish you all the best. Good luck. Cheers, my man. See you later. Bye bye.